Welcome all who are listening or watching. We are Conversations of Color. What I just want to jump into, being that this is a new podcast, I just want to share with you the purpose of our podcast. And the goal of, the, of our podcast is, is to inform and allow our community of color to have a safe haven where we, where we can share ideas, emotions, and questions as it relates to our racial bias society and, and how it impacts our mental health. Uh, the topics we cover in our podcast correlate to everyday events, life-changing experiences often faced within our culture. Um, and, and what I want to do, um, being that, you know, we, we, we were all able to kind of come together from all different backgrounds, is just kind of share why um, being a part of this project is important to you. Um, the reason why you wanted to, to, to be a part of this, be a part of this conversation. Yeah, um, for me personally, I think that this podcast is extremely vital to everything going on currently. Uh, for me, it's super important because I think as a mental health professional, we need to have spaces where people of color can have space held for them to be able to talk about, you know, these tough topics, topics that uh, most of us in our families and our cultures don't really um, talk about often. So for me personally, I think that this is very necessary. Um, just to piggyback off what Desiree said, I feel that it was important to join the podcast because I felt us people of color definitely need a space where we can feel comfortable, we can feel vulnerable enough to share certain situations that other people may not be able to understand due to different circumstances. But that's definitely one of the reasons why I joined the podcast, just to have a safe place to share my outlook on the mental health and what we're going through right now. Yeah, and I definitely agree with all of you. Um, I think it's this is definitely an important conversation that needs to be had in our community. Um, the reason why I'm a part of this podcast um, is because I work in the higher education field and, uh, and work with uh, underrepresented and underserved communities of color um, and getting them to go to school. But one of the things of, uh, in my work that I see is that many of these uh, the students or even, even some of the family members who actually attend um, you know, higher education or post-secondary options is that unaddressed mental health issues become an issue and hinder their success. So as I started to, you know, incorporate mental health work within my work and addressing and engaging the communities, I found it more and more uh, of an importance for me to kind of to be a part of this conversation. And also, um, as I go along my own journey and, you know, developing a positive mental health, you know, uh, you know, environment for myself. And for myself, I really felt uh, just watching the George Floyd incident kind of take place uh, it really ignited something in me where I just felt that we needed to start having these type of conversations, start talking about the impact of what we see in our everyday lives and how it really truly festers in us and impacts our mental health physically, mentally, um, spiritually, because these type of issues are not being discussed. And now that it's being 2020, a new start of a decade, we, we can't wait for anyone to, to take change into our own hands. We, we have to be the change, the, the game changers, you know, being willing to, to make a difference in our community. And that's what the, the true meaning of this, this podcast is, is to really get people to start thinking about the different aspects, being more open-minded about the, the different situations that we're dealing with on a everyday uh, basis. And um, I, I know that it's uh, definitely being, tough um this year has been just with the pandemic and everything and and i know what we'd like to do um mark is kind of our, our daily check-ins right yeah so you know you know some really you know heavy uh you know current events that we're currently dealing with and i just want to kind of check in with us as we um you know start this conversation off uh so you know like what is it how are y'all doing what's going on with y'all Woo! You're right. <laughs> start. Woo! It's been a long week, I must say, so myself, with just with the everything going on with my families, like everything trying to get back to normal with schooling and you know with remote learning, with blended learning, like um, of my family's trying to understand like that how the education is going to be moving forward has been kind of stressful. Like just making sure like everyone has like their tablets, have their equipment 
in addition to, you know, people feeling about the election, like with everything going on, like I'm okay and I'm just gonna just keep pushing. Yeah, I would say uh, for me, I'm doing all right. Um, I'm not the type of person to say like I'm doing okay when I'm not. So for me, it's been a little tough this week. Like um, when COVID happened for me, you know, my whole life blew up at once. I had lost my job. I got a new job. I, I lost my relationship. So like I had this massive like um, a divine storm, I would call it. And so for me, it's been uh, me navigating through like this new normal for me, not just with COVID, but my entire life. And, and so it's been a little tough this week. Um, you know, some grief comes up, not just with what's going around in the world, but on the micro level, personally as well. And so, yeah, I'm doing all right. Could be better, but I'm doing, I'm doing as best as I can. Well, for me, you know, I, I'm just taking it every day, one day at a time, just kind of being thankful for, for being able to still work and um, just making sure that my family is, is still good. You know, being 3,000 miles away is just kind of tough uh, right now with everything going on. But just, just got to be thankful and, and taking every day at a time. And that's, that's all we can do, you know. All right, Mark, uh, okay, yeah. how are you holding up? Oh, man, thank you for asking. Um, I, first, I just want to say, yeah, I, I really feel, you know, uh, just, you know, <laughs> the energy um, and that the of, of what we've been going through. Um, I think from everything from the, the pandemic, you know, a lot of loss due to COVID, uh, believe it or not, even gun violence, um, you know, people losing their jobs, just overall loss, right? And and dealing in dealing with isolation or people who are you know you know bound to their home because of COVID, and I think that's just like a lot to digest and process all at once, and it's a lot of layers. And I know we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter, but that's you know it's just a lot of layers that we're kind of you know viewing and experiencing. Um, and for me, I think it's it's been a lot to digest, but I think just being a community uh, and literally just taking it one day at a time you know I know that I know everybody says that all the time but it's so true and it's truth to it so um I'm doing okay man this this is this is a a good week for me and uh, you know I'm really excited about this podcast so <laughs> oh <laughs> you know it's funny Mark that you say that and I realized that I always did this a lot was when someone would ask me how I'm doing I would just say I'm doing well my answer I'm doing well I'm doing well and this year it was just like you know, I'm not doing well. I'm not doing okay. Like just being able to communicate that to people and just letting people know, like it, I'm not okay. Do you see what's going on TV? Like I'm not well. Like no, you know, just being able. So it's 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 funny that you you said that. So I agree with you on that point for sure. And it's always funny when you hear people's uh, reactions. Like, well, he's not doing well. What do I do? What can I do? <laughs> then they can try to pat you on the back. Wait, oh, hold up. Six feet, six feet. Coronavirus! <laughs> it's funny that you say that because normally, you know, people will ask and most people will say, I'm doing well, I'm doing good. But most people aren't doing that. And so like that, it's, it's very awkward when you actually are like, no, I'm not doing okay. When somebody hasn't gone there with themselves, of course, they're not going to be able to know what to do when you say you're not okay. But I think that's what we're all here for is that authenticity and to be able to hold space and have this community for people of color to talk about not being okay and what that looks like. And you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything going on, especially right now with even the president of our country um, not denouncing white supremacy, I think this is the perfect time for this podcast and the conversations that we're going to have on here. I agree with you, Desha. Mm -hmm. And what about, and what about, what do you think about everything going on with the Black Lives Matter, Des? Well, um, I just can't believe that it's 2020 and we're still dealing with this. Um, it's disheartening, it's traumatic to say the least, it's heartbreaking and you know we're the ones who are going to have to step up and make change happen because people who are supposed to be there for us are not uh, doing what they're supposed to and so we've kind of had to take our power back in a way and be able to 
um, not only advocate, but for, but to uh, put ourselves in positions where we can have make change happen. So that way, uh, we do see the outcomes that we want and not rely on somebody else to do it for us. So that's, that's where I'm at personally. Yeah. And like, and I guess, you know, we can kind of spread the question around, but like, how is like, you know, I know that you, uh, Des and Jazz, like y'all, you know, mental health professionals while you're on the field, you know, but like, how do you think that people, is, how do you think that all this is affecting like people's mental health? Like how, how, how have y'all mm. experienced and, you know, working with people throughout this? For me personally, I've seen everything going on um, in society and the U.S. and all of that. It's really taken a huge toll on people's mental health. And not only that, but with quarantine as well, um, it's brought up a lot of people's wounds, maybe things that they've never dealt with or looked at or healed before. And so everything is coming to the surface. And that's why we're seeing all of this uh, trauma happening uh, within our country. It's because what's going on is on a micro level, individuals have gone their whole life without healing their trauma. And so now it's bleeding out into the greater society on the macro level. So really, we're just seeing the, the remnants of people who have not done their trauma work uh, being brought to the surface with everything going on. I can totally agree with you, um, Desiree. Like, I feel like it really, like the pandemic just put everyone in survival mode. Like, you know, one minute we're like living our regular life and everyone has to go into survival mode. And I mean survival mode as individuals for your family. Like you said, Desiree said she lost her job. Like a lot of my families had to deal with that. So everyone's like about surviving. On top of surviving, you the Black Lives Matter movement just comes up and like it puts everyone in a frenzy. It puts everyone like, okay, now we have to survive. I have to deal with the fact that, you know, I have men in my family who just can't go out just regular like anyone else can. Like I have my brothers, my cousins that I have to always worry about, right? You guys are in a good situation. Um, it just put everyone, un everyone is uncomfortable. Like everyone's in an uncomfortable state because we have to deal with things that we brushed underneath the rug for so long. Now we have to face everything at one time and everyone's emotion at one time. And it's hard to dissect that when everyone's feeling something, the same thing, but at, at different times and in different ways. So like, Everyone's mental health is just a roller coaster at this point. It's imbalanced. No, I, and I could just to kind of piggyback because for sure, like, you know, we're dealing with the pandemic. We're dealing with a, a racial type of tension that our country hasn't seen in, in so long. So this is like right now it feels like the start of the revolution. We're going to fight for our rights. And, and it's just crazy how, you know, we're is that the pandemic is killing people people of color the most, right? It's, it's destroying our community. People who are mostly unemployed or, or, or um, essential workers are, are people of color. So that's also impacting our community. And then on top of that, we got people that are supposed to protect us and they're not even protecting us. All we keep seeing is videos of, of someone either getting, um, using their white privilege against us or putting a they foot on our necks or, or quick to shoot. And it's just, it just shows how many issues that as a, as a country we have, and we, we just got to fix it some way, somehow. We got, we got to take the control. Yeah, man. It, I, it's just, I just, I just, I just know for a fact that, you know, when we think about our communities, our color and all of the trauma that they're experiencing right now, it just like, how, I just hope that they are, you know, we, we, have in, uh, we have people who, we have enough resources, if available, right, for people who, to want to talk to somebody or to talk to somebody just in general, even if it's not a health professional, a mental health professional, but just an outlet for people to kind of talk and, you know, uh, express those feelings because it's just like having that, all of that inside, it's, it's a lot. Um, you know, for example, you know, when, you know, George Floyd was a big event, right? But like, the, but it was a few events that happened right before his, right? So you had Breonna Taylor, um, and you had the, uh, you know, and you had other, other, you know, killings that we recorded or that were kind of just like in our face over social media. And I think that for me, you know, throughout this whole thing, social media has just been like a really, you know, interesting uh, 
agent within all of this and how I'm handling and viewing and digesting because it's like, I, in addition, I mean, at first, you know, when it's all, when it's all happened with the pandemic, I, I really didn't want to be on social media because I was, I had more time to myself and I wanted to say like, how can I utilize this time? But it was also a way where like, I don't want to do that because I don't want to even further isolate myself from people that I would normally come in contact, but just only have contact over social media. But when all of these events happen, it's like I'm kind of subjected to watch, to, you know, relive and, you know, you know, uh, you know, pill, uh, pill open, open uh, previous wounds, like even watching Trayvon's Martin uh, trial and, you know, Breonna Taylor's trial. And like that was, that was like almost a flashback for me for that, you know? Um, and even, and then how emotions are like fest or, or, uh, suppressed, you know, I know when we did the, 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 uh, the run, right, for Ahmaud Arbery, right, the 2.3 miles um, or the three miles. And as I was doing that run, like, I realized, like, I had tears coming out my eyes. And I'm just like, wow, like, this is really impacting me. Like, this is really affecting me. Um, and I can just imagine that, you know, people who don't have those outlets or those resources um, or just people to talk to, it's just like it's, they're really going through something right now. Yeah, Mark, I definitely want to speak on on the physicality that you experienced, you know, you crying while running and you not realizing, you know, how much that was affecting you. A lot of people, especially people of color, don't know that a lot of our physical ailments, especially like muscle pain and just different physical things that you experience are actually manifestations of unreleased trauma being stored in your body. And so you experiencing tears coming down your face while running was a very physiological response to the trauma that you hadn't dealt with emotionally. And so I think it's important to point that out because um, a lot of people of color normally go to a, a doctor and they're like, oh, I have these physical pains, but they don't put the mind-body connection into play. And um, I think that's really important to make note of that. And I really appreciate you sharing something so vulnerable with us. like like that because I agree you know I for me I've noticed a lot of tension in my body whether it's my shoulders my neck headaches and it's like I know this has to do with emotions and me needing to sit down and process these because if you don't like you said they come out in physical ways and so I'm glad that you brought that up and thank you for sharing that uh, thank no, no no problem it's just like for me and I know and maybe this is again this is just me having a different relationship with you know my emotions but I just think that, you know, it, it was like, I feel like even the people that I was talking to or keeping up, uh, ke uh, catching up with, you know, they felt very similar ways or like had similar things like, oh man, like I couldn't sleep last night or, you know, things that, that were just like indicators of uh, stress or, you know, repressed, you know, emotions or unreleased emotions, right? And so it's just like, at that point, I feel like in a, at least for me, um, that the spaces that I was in and the people that I was able to talk to, that it allowed me to be more vulnerable because everybody was having similar experiences. Mm -hmm. I, was, I knew that I was not the only one. Mark, it's funny that you say that. You said two things that really um, stood out with me. Like the, the information that you're seeing on social media and how it kind of impacts your, your mental aspect. But then also um, kind of going out and, and being out in the streets, you know, being part of the, the social protest type of change events and seeing how that deeply impacts you. Like for myself, when I went out here to um, do some protesting in Long Beach, I was so emotional because it was crazy to see, you know, um, white people kind of standing up in the front lines, like right in front of the police and just like seeing so many people just out there kind of just like fighting for you and it's just not only and i think obama said this like what we're seeing from back in the 60s to now is that we're seeing a lot more diversity when people are coming out to protest it's not only just black people there's white asian and that is the most uh most powerful thing that i, I saw when being out in those streets and protesting like it, it really like like you said just brought tears to my eyes because it, it's it's so powerful to see that if that these people can see that our lives are in jeopardy what don't you understand like wh how can it get any clearer for you and um 
and then the, the second part with just seeing everything that's on social media, um, I've, I've had friends kind of tell me, you know, like, oh, get off of social media. Like, how can you keep watching these videos of, of someone getting, you know, shot, killed or, or, or locked up or, and I'm just like, I, I have to see this. This is, this is part of technology, right? As, as technology, you know, improves, it allowed us to see that these situations are still happening. Like the power of technology is literally safe. Like it, it, it is shedding more light on the the shit that's been happening for years back in the 60s 70s and 80s where there was no type of technology like this now we can see who that karen is we can see who, who that uh, what's that uh what, what um what's what's the guy version of karen ken uh, ken um week um, week but that's <laughs> but that's what that's what it really is you know what i mean like now we can we we, we, we can shed light on these issues and 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 it's crazy how people can say that you know constantly watching all this like trauma videos Im impacts your, your mental health and I you know jazz desk what's your you know what's your thoughts on that it absolutely <laughs> affects your mental health like like just just you and Mark just said like how did you guys feel watching George Floyd get killed that could have been your family member that could have got a bit been you guys like and this is something that's been happening since Sean Bell and before so it's like now like seeing it like so it's okay for the police just to kill us and that's it. And going back for myself, like being a black woman, like um, just thinking about Breonna Taylor, how she didn't even get any justice. I'm sitting here like, okay, they just don't care about us. Like, that's it. Like, they just gonna keep killing us and it doesn't even matter at this point. And it's just like, we're not safe. And like, we're not safe. It just shows that we're not safe. Every time we walk out, we're not safe. And it just puts us in a, in a bad space mentally that you are not safe. Even the people that's supposed to protect us, as Clinton said, like they're not protecting us. So who wouldn't feel not safe in, a, in their mental and in physical? How can you not feel safe? Yeah, I, I have to agree with what Jasmine said and, and you brought up some good points of not feeling safe and, and not feeling like you don't matter. Some of the core um, deep wounds that cause mental health issues or, you know, it's not being seen, not being heard, not feeling like you matter and not being safe. And so what's being brought up are these very, very deep seated original woundings, you know, from childhood and all of that, that's being brought up all over again. And we're being re-traumatized and it's really important like Jasmine said, like this has been happening. It's just now being filmed and this is the new, um, and I think it's really important to point out that, you know, everything that we're witnessing, although it's very traumatizing, it's also on the other side of that, helping us stay informed and, and kind of taking the blinders off and, and showing the reality of what's going on. I think, you know, there's a lot of compounded, complex uh, trauma that we're all experiencing as people of color, you know, even uh, not only the Black Lives Matter, but with all the Latinos and Hispanics being locked up in cages at the border, like what? This is happening on, on U.S. soil. And so I think it's really important, you know, for us to discuss these different issues of what's going on, because not only is there COVID, but people of color have uh, additional trauma that they're experiencing with everything going on. So it's it's definitely a lot of complex trauma that we're witnessing happening right now in, in our country. Yo, y'all bring up some really, like, oh man, powerful, powerful points. And like, my, I, I got questions, I have questions. So mm -hmm. uh, in, in ways, in, like, I feel like our society has kind of, uh, shape what's acceptable what's not acceptable right so for example as jazz like you're a black woman who lives in america and generally people digest or only want to digest you smiling or you you know maybe maybe it's okay to, for you to cry right but once you get angry right like like it's a problem like how, how and, and even for you they like you know even with everything going on, you know, and seeing people who look like you being denied, you know, citizenship or, you know, benefits of citizenship or just, a, you know, just a, the equal treatment that many other people from other countries have had or even still benefit from here. But it's just for whatever reason, the political atmosphere that we're in, it's just like, no, you're less than or no, you're not a citizen or, you know. Like, these are the things that I'm just, like, very interested, like, to see what your perspectives are on how you kind of um, express that. 
and release that. Yeah, you know, for me personally, I'll be honest with you, and I'm sure Jazz can speak on this too. Like, I grew up and showing anger wasn't something that was normalized, you know, being an angry, well, okay, so there's two sides of it. So either as a Latino or Hispanic, you're considered tough, you have to be tough, you can't really cry, like it's not considered strong if you cry. So you do have to have this sense of like, mm, I'm tough, I'm strong. So you go around walking like everything's okay when it's not. But on the other side of that, me personally, I didn't express a lot of anger growing up. Um, I wasn't really, uh, like I said, I wasn't normalized. So for me, I'm just now coming into like that anger, the rage of like, what's going on. And, and most women, when they're angry, they're labeled aggressive, they're labeled uh, irrational, even like think about Freud, like if you think about Freud and uh, the hysteria that he labeled women under for just showing emotions. And um, I think it's really important that we discuss this because like I said, I've just been feeling a lot of rage come up, but instead of suppressing that, I'm allowing myself to feel the anger because my anger is completely valid. And on a deeper level, you know, anger is a secondary emotion. It just shows that I'm hurt. And so it's really important, you know, that I express this anger in a healthy way, obviously not take it out on anybody, but to express it and to show, um, to show this emotion, I think it's really liberating um, for me personally to express it as a woman of color who normally our voices are suppressed, so. Um, I couldn't agree more with Desiree. She hit everything, like, clear. Like, it's really clear. Just, I could just move into the Breonna Taylor verdict, you know. I was angry. Like, we waited, we waited so long for that verdict to be what it was. And we sitting here like, but you really killed her. Like, you killed her in her home. She was unarmed and she was safe in her home. If you can get killed in your home, were you supposed to feel the most safe? At this point, we just have no type of hope at this point. Their family got paid off $22 million. They got paid off faster than Eric Garner, who already, case already been determined. That's crazy. To me, that just made me even more angry that you really paid her, paid the family off just not to send the, the, um, the police to jail. That's how you see like money is power and it doesn't matter. Like money makes the world go around. Like the America is a business. And as long as money is still generating, I feel like it doesn't matter about the lives because Breonna Taylor could have been me. That could have been my sister. That could have been anyone, anyone I knew that's a female. And just because money's involved, it doesn't even matter at this point. And, and Jazz, it's, it's interesting that you say the money thing because didn't she get paid, didn't her family get paid for wrongful death, but they didn't kill her or they're not getting charged for killing her. None of it makes sense. So Mark, Clinton, like, can you speak on your thoughts about, you know, the Breonna Taylor outcome and the verdict? Yeah, um, I, it, it was painful, like, and Clinton, please chime in at any given point, man. Um, like, I think that for me, like the, I, I'm, I, I try to be very optimistic about life. Like that's the only way that I've been able to navigate life, you know, as a person, as a man, as a black man in America, like trying to be optimistic. Um, and, but with this, but I, but it's very difficult to do that with a system that repeatedly proving time and time again that our lives and the value of our lives are, you know, they don't matter. Just put in plain and sit, right? And so when you when you kind of get, when we try to kind of pick a confidence in the justice system and for it to deliver uh, just uh, deliberations on, you know, on, on something as obvious as somebody being killed in their own home. Y'all mentioned safety, right? Like that, that really kind of hits a chord because at the end of the day, I think safety, you know, you know, everybody has their, um, everybody has their, 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 their needs, right? And safety is being one of those. Like if you're not safe, then you can't operate at a function or you can't participate in society in the way, in the fashion that everyone else is. So if your safety is at a harm and it's being proven again that you're that you don't matter, like I just feel like as a black man, it's like almost like we're failing 
our, you know, we're failing at our roles in society, right? To protect our women, to, uh, to, you know, to, you know, and even to be a, you know, a meaningful participant of society. And it's like, wow, like this, this is like, these are a lot of, these are all the messaging that I see, you know, being said, but without being said, right? It's just it's through actions, you see these things happening. So I'm angry, I'm upset, um, you know, it's, and it's just like, it, it's just like, we cannot, but I, but, I, but again, I rely on my, my optimism because again, it's just like, I think about the shoulders that we stand on, right? The ancestors that, you know, that came before us um, and what they had to go through. Actually, you can't, you, you can't forget them. We this can't. Is just, this we is can't. just a, this, I mean, I'm not, I'm not downplaying anything that's going on right now because it has like, as you read, it hasn't happened before, you know? Um, well, excuse me, it hasn't, we haven't seen it happen before in our lifetime. Mm. So um, I, I just think about the strength that they had. I think about the things that, you know, they had to endure, um, you know? And it's just like, if I, can, if I can muster just a little bit of the strength that they had to, for me to be here, to, for me to be present in a society, then you know I can I can uh, I can have some form of, some uh, some form of peace and optimism that things will change although they don't look like they are and that's and I, but I think that's that's just my take on it right now it's just like I constantly see the message of disrespect the devalue the you know the devaluing of life um, and also and our our roles that's been assigned to us in society you know it's just like. We, you know, it's just like, we're not able to do those things. And I know that gender roles is something that we can talk about later, but, you know, as somebody who looks them, look at themselves as a provider as a, or uh, a protector, it's just like, this is something that is difficult for me to do. Hearing that Brianna uh, Taylor verdict was disheartening. And for the, uh, the attorney general to be a black man, to say the things that he said on TV, was it was clear whose side he was like he just spoke at the republicans national convention like he's not a man for us like and that's clear and the fact that what what his he didn't do his job properly at all the fact that he didn't bring up certain charges to the jury was was clear what what his intentions were for them to spend the amount of months to bring back that weak ass verdict like that shit is trash cat like no and then on top of that is is um you know i know jasmine you was talking about the money too like how you 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 gonna pay them millions but you're gonna you're gonna dish out some whack shit like that and then for them to say and the whole big discussion right around it was the no the no warrant the knock right that was the key and for them, it was one person out of 12 people that heard them so they just like oh it's okay one person heard like all right yeah and for them to and now the article went back like oh that that person didn't say that um you know back when it when the incident happened they they somehow changed their their story a few months ago and to me it, it just looks like you know like power just trying to pay some little hush money to keep people silent to, to keep the the truth sealed but i'm glad that you know people are fighting back against it and saying that this verdict is not valid for you to to to, to give a charge for for bullets that didn't hit anybody come on someone someone died like this is you playing with people's lives and and no matter money is worth anyone's life. Like this is, and that's what we'll be kind of dealing with right now, being in the whole pandemic, right? It's like people are being asked to go to work every day to, to provide for their families, yet people are, you know, being, they might be getting kicked out of their homes because they're in renters. They don't, they don't own a house. So that, you know, that doesn't apply to them. So it's, it's, a, it's all these situations that are just kind of festering. And it's just like, nah, this, I, we can't stay silent anymore. Like we can't do what y'all think we're going to do. We got to, we got to change the game. So that, that verdict was crazy. Like it was wild. You guys brought up some really good points that I wanted to maybe speak on and get like some more feedback on, you know, Mark, you mentioned a lot of how people don't feel safe and, and those are our basic needs. And so Jasmine mentioned, you know, 
us being in survival mode. And so when you're only getting your most basic level not even met, you can't thrive. You can't go above a level of safety if nothing else is being met. And you know, you spoke about our ancestors and all of that. And what you're speaking on is really our conditioning. We're still being conditioned today. And all this generational trauma is being passed down continuously. And then Clinton, you know, you brought up this point of, of the, the black man who made the verdict and, and how we know what side he's on. And really what we're talking about is just internalized racism institutionalized racism and so i think we should definitely speak on on that and the conditioning that you know went on when from the past from our ancestors and slavery and everything we had to, they had to you know go through that being passed down to us still being conditioned to stay in this survival mode and i don't even Yes, I blame the guy who made the verdict, but at the same time, it's bigger than him. It's the internalized racism that even he has been conditioned into. So let's let's speak on that, you know? Yeah, Des, you brought up a really great point about mm -hmm. the, you know, the generational trauma that we've, you know, that we, that we basically uh, inherit, right, from, you know, our foremothers and fathers. Like, and just to think about, you know, uh, you know, a video that I was watching about um, it's just the um, the post the uh, I guess post slave syndrome, right? And she, uh, the author of the book, uh, described the a scientific um, finding that you know where slaves were buried right there in um, Wall Street, right? There's a grave there that was that they were buried in. They were basically uh, examine their bones and understand that the, the the muscles were detached from their bones because they worked so hard mm -hmm. that at some point in their life that they had an injury which kind of left a uh, some type of uh, residue or some type of evidence that their bone was detached from them and their muscles were detached from their bone. That trauma then is passed down to the next generation or next generation. But in our own generation and lifetimes, we're still, you know, introduced with new levels of trauma that, you know, that we're, we're forced to deal with. Now, thank God, you know, nobody's working that hard anymore, right? But it, it, it really kind of goes from a physical um, strain to a mental strain. And, and, and the messaging and, the, and, the, and what's not being said, but what's done, um, I think it's like, the real the real oppression that's happening right now currently and also i just wanted to kind of like ask you all like while we're going through all of this and we're trying to figure out ourselves but jazz and des like you all are in the health field like you're helping people and what i think about what i often think about when i hear or uh, meet people who do are, are in your field of social work is like like who's helping the people who help people mm -hmm. right like, yeah. how are y'all like main? Like, how are y'all dealing with all of this as you are dealing with people who are trying to figure out um, their own problems? Like, this is heavy. How y'all doing? <laughs> 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 like Wendy Williams says, right? How y'all doing? <laughs> wow, um, I've been in this field for like over a decade since I finished my bachelor's degree, and. I, I'm learning still as as I'm in my field of work that I always make sure I dress people as individuals because in my field of work like we have like a checklist that you know we have to meet and I just feel like everyone does not need to be on that checklist and when I say a checklist like everyone don't need the same services everyone don't need the same thing so for me like how I deal with dealing with people is like really trying to keep my professional life and my personal life like completely separate. So like when I turn my phone off at five, like I really want to turn my phone off at five because I need to unwind everything that I already had to listen to, the trauma that I had to listen to, the problems that I had to listen to. It makes my problems look this small compared to the family that I deal with on a regular basis. So like, I, I don't know who mentioned it, but gratitude is something that I practice on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I could complain about a million things, but when I go to work and I see the people that I deal with, my life is perfect. I can't ask for both for so much, you know? But my colleagues, as we discussed too, like I always tell my colleagues, take a day. Cause 
Best to believe, God forbid something happens to you before your obituary's out, your job description will be back on indeed. So I always tell them, you need to take a break. Like you can't help a million people for so many, so many days without helping yourself. If you're not right, you can officially and effectively help someone. I could help people all day, but am I really doing my job if I'm not even there with people to understand their problems? Yeah. You know, like a part of my job is being a good listener. If my head's not there, I can't listen properly. You know, I can't even give you the right advice that I can give you if I'm not ready to do that. So I always take a day, take a, just take a chill pill because like you can't, wrong was the building today. So I always try to take it literally, like Brock said, day by day. Not to sound cliche, day by day I take it. Because that's all that we really can do as individuals, as people, as professionals, as whatever title that you hold. You can only take one task day by day, literally. So that's really what I, my motto is, dealing with people. Yeah, I, I have to agree with uh, Jasmine. It's super important for us to take care of ourselves being helping professionals. Um, you know, for me personally, self-care is vital. Um, and doing my own trauma work, you know, you can't really be in the helping profession if you yourself don't do your trauma work. Um, how are you going to help other people do it? So for me personally, like just full transparency, you know, I've gone through half a year of trauma therapy. I've gone through having a life coach and I've had to do all of my own trauma work in order to really show up for other people and understand them on a deep level. Um, so for me, it's been vital to have my own mentors and my own you know, therapists or counselors and, and be able to then utilize what they've t taught me to then uh, not only help myself, but to, then to help others as well. And they even tell you that, you know, when you're in grad school, um, you get your own counseling if you're going to be like in the mental health field. Um, and that's super important to do because as Jasmine said, how are you going to help anybody else if you can't even help yourself? And so for me, I practice a ton of self-care. Um, I make sure, you know, to not only take a day like Jasmine said, but to really, you know, if I need to cry, cry. If I need to feel my feelings, let myself feel those feelings. Like, you know, people of color, we've been so taught to suppress our emotions, whether it's men being considered weak for showing their emotions or even women just being too emotional or deemed too emotional. I think the way to heal personally is to feel your feelings. That is how you process. This is how you heal um, so yeah, that's, that's what I personally do to take care of myself. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, as I hear y'all talk, you know, the, the phrase comes to mind, you can't pull from an empty cup and that you need to re, re energize or, you know, just kind of like, you know, take time to just to fill your own cup before you can be, you know, you, before you can feed or give to anyone else. And I think that's really important. And, you know, and I think that y'all, y'all specifically, uh, your guy, you guys work environment and feel is just, you know, I think it's just very, it just, uh, is if it's anything that we need to focus on, I think, and our communities is more opportunities to support the people who are helping people, but also just to support more resources so people can have access to it. Um, but yeah, I, I can't stress that enough. Like, I mean, I'm in the, I'm in the higher education field and, and I think that where I'm at, I'm seeing a really big push that kind of that kind of drains me because it's like a decision. It's like, should we send students back to school? Should they still be on campus, right? With over 200,000 people dying of COVID um, and people risking students' lives uh, just to, you know, to be blunt, like to make money um, and provide some form of education. Now, the students, definitely want to get it out away from home because everybody's been home and have some remnants of a college experience but i just think that it, it just it is draining to kind of you know see that the work that i'm doing is not necessarily a solution to the to the to the problems that we're facing now and that it can lead to more you know trauma uh for for many others uh but yeah like i i, I it's just it's really it's really uh conflicting <laughs> to be in uh to be in an in an environment, especially where, you know, you have people who may, who may or may not be for you. You know, Clinton had mentioned, um, you know, people who look like you or people who um, should be for you. But in, in a lot of the work environments, it's not the case. 
right? You may you may actually have people who look like you perpetuating the same type of you know toxic trauma within you know work environment or just like generally um, you know because it's a, it's a part of their performance plan, right? It's not something that they intentionally do, but it's just something that they're getting paid to do. Um, and and it's not always when you talk about diversity, equity, inclusion. It's like yeah, but we just we really just need people to understand that if you're going to have that to support people at, in their work environments or in their fields, is that you have to bring people to the table to change the system of how uh, these people are interacting and working. Not just because not just because you have one person who shows face that they're color that you you now solve the problems that kind of happen in these workplaces. Especially, I can't even imagine what's happening in the you know social work field um, in regards to that. But I just feel that really that's a big problem um, that we can be addressing right now to lessen the the uh, impact on the impact or the hit that people are taking mentally just to be at their work, their place of work. It's our obligation as people of color, just from the generation of what our history has been, that we we must do something. We must take action. We can no longer be bystanders. We must get involved in our community. And that's what the, the, the key thing, you know, I really want to inform people to take action, no matter how little it can be or how big you want it to be. Just doing something in your community will make a difference, whether it's, you know, being a sponsor or mentorship or coaching. And especially that's um, happened a lot in my field of work right now due to, you know, what everything that's going on. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a mental health day and the mental health day was just basically with everything that's going on. And they wrote, they, my company had wrote a nice uh, script for us and it listed everyone's name that has been, that has died from the police hand. And, and, and I put that for my client's email, for my, um, my company's email to let them know that, yo, this is, y'all need to wake up. Like this, not talking about what the social issues that are happening in the street not talking about it in business, that shit's taboo. That's capped. It's over. The CEO of Wells Fargo was basically talking about how there is no there is no pool of black people for them to select from. And that's the reason why they can't find anybody. And it's just like that comment, he was like, oh shit, I, I messed up. Like I, I didn't mess up. Had to put out a statement, started losing people's people closing out their accounts. Then there's no reason for you to start challenging our employers that, hey, you gotta value what I value. Like I'm looking for emails that's talking about Black Lives Matters. And I remember saying that like two years ago when, when the shooting happened in Orlando, I'm seeing the cover letter on my website. My company's website is, you know, is down, you know, with, with pride and I respect all of that. However, on the other side is that when we're seeing all these killings and you're, you're not putting up anything, you're, you're sending the stuff through our employee resource group, a much smaller group, and it's not getting that that company-wide attention. So I think it, it's, it's key for us to really take action into our own hands, and, and I'm encouraging everyone to make a difference. And that's that's the only way. Yeah, yeah. And um, Clinton, man, <laughs> it's more so like, again, and, I, and as I hear you saying it, it kind of goes right back to like, hey, like, yeah, you say you want to be, uh, a, you know, a, you want to provide solutions to support, you know, people of color and, you know, and their livelihoods and their company. However, what you're doing is uh, what you're saying or, or the actions you're taking or the reason mm -hmm. of the actions you're taking still kind of lead right back to, you know, point one. Um, but I just wanted to kind of um, also just kind of, I know we were talking about work, but I know that a lot of people are working from home, right? But and in, that, in that instance, it's just like, Des, when you said that, you know, you one of the things you do is just like separate your work and, I mean, I mean um, excuse me, Jazz said this, um, when you separate your work life from your uh, personal life, right? It just like one of the things that kind of just popped in my head is like how are people like I mean it's like the fact that people are people's homes are now their place of work <laughs> and not being able to compartmentalize like all right this is work this is not you know and I don't know one of the things that I always said you know working from home when I you know 
uh, pre-COVID is like, I hate it because I end up working more than I actually did when I was at work. Mm. Before I know it, it's seven o'clock and I'm like, why am I still working? <laughs> and so um, I know I just wanted to kind of, you know, uh, preface that, but also pose the question to uh, Clinton and Dez, as you all are like potentially working from home, right? But you are you all are from New York, but y'all live in LA. Like, how have y'all been coping not being away? I mean, being away from your families, um, and you know, and juggling that working at home life balance. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me personally, like I've had to kind of make my home my sanctuary, and not that I did it just for COVID, but I, I really tried to make this my home away from home, and and so I don't get to see my family often. Um, you know, my grandparents are visiting me this week and I haven't seen them in two years since I moved from New York to California. And so for me, it's been vital for me to find, you know, people I could have a community with like you all or, you know, my, my, uh, my friends and being able to what they call in the mental health field co-regulate with other people who might be going through the same thing. So like me and Clinton connected, we we're both from New York. We both went to school together and now we're, you know, on the, on the West coast and just that connection and that networking, it's really important to have when you don't have your family here. Um, because a lot of the times our families, if, if you come from a good home, are your support system. So that's what I do personally. What about you, Clinton? Yeah, Work-life balance has been really tough. This is actually kind of the, I've been living in this current apartment for three years. And this is probably the first year where I, I've spent so much of my time at home instead of being on the road. And it's been a real tough adjustment for me to kind of find balance because in my field, I can easily work until midnight, 10 o'clock whenever the work there's always work to be done and they have no problem with you still doing it no problem at all my client does not care like oh good great here's some more work oh you working weekends okay until three okay still be on for that eight o'clock meeting so it's just really hard to find that balance uh and i've been trying to to kind of cope with that just finding a way to kind of set some me time so sometimes i'll use my lunch break to work out um, during my, my time of lunch. So that way, when I'm done with work, I don't have to worry about, oh, I got to work out, then I got to cook. So it's just trying to find those small little things where I can just have some me time and take a break from work. And I'm not going to front. I've definitely been taking some naps, though. I just want to speak on that for a second, because I don't think people realize that we're, we're all so tired because of the mental strain and, and the depression or, you know, just being overworked and everything that we're experiencing within our jobs, within our personal lives, within the, you know, the environment. So I, I know it's funny to laugh that like we're grown adults taking naps, but like that's self-care, take naps. We're going to be more tired than normal with everything going on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, it, and as you guys were talking, it's just like, and I, and, and as, as I hear myself talking as well, it's like, I hear the privilege in our, in our, in our, in our comments and in our, in our responses because it's like, I talk about being optimistic, right? Or, uh, you know, hopeful. And, and I'm just like, wow, like, as I think about the people that may be listening to this podcast or who will listen to this podcast, like, that's not the case. Like, they're really like, they're really hit hard by this. They might, they might have, they might have been affected by all of the above: COVID, loss of job, you know, potentially had to leave their home because people are kicking people out because they can't pay rent because of the coronavirus, and it's not their fault. Mm -hmm. um, but if I, if I could just extend like one thing, you know, it's hard, it's hard to sit here and listen to people who who are able to be optimistic or have something to stand on to be optimistic. But in the, for anybody that don't have that, all I can say is that the manifestation of a positive mindset is powerful. Mm -hmm. Just hope, like literally taking whatever it is that you have. You can even like, just like Jasmine said, like being thankful, like gratitude, like just the, that fact that you woke up this morning um, and you have an opportunity to change or to, uh, you know, for it to change uh, for you um, it's something that I would say just to build on, 
Because if you could build on that and build momentum or, you know, to think about, okay, well, maybe I was able to eat today. Maybe I wasn't able to eat yesterday, but today I'm, I, I might have something to eat or, you know, I might have somewhere to stay or, you know, I might find a job interview that's, you know, that can kind of get me back on my feet and kind of just build and build and build. One of my favorite rap groups, um, always, you know, they say brick by brick. And I just hope that, that you, whoever's listening here, literally can just take one instant of anything that's going well with your life and build upon that. Yeah. Preach, Mark. I, I think that's vital. And I just, I, I want to point it out there that, you know, that's rewiring our brain from going from survival mode. And the more you start noticing the good and you build on that, the more you get into a thriving mindset. And this is how we overcome our conditioning. So I think it's really important to point that out, but also recognize that Sometimes there is no good to notice. So if you can start small, whether that's I woke up today and then the next day you find two things to be grateful for, that makes all the difference like over time. So. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe um, if anybody can share like just an example in their own lives, how that kind of manifests, um, you know, for them and and, you know, just to kind of make it a little bit more real for people or the listeners, just that, you know, we can just tell them, but kind of give them some examples, some real life examples of what that looks like. I know for me, you know, literally like, you know, losing a lot of people in my family, uh, you know, through different reasons, COVID, gun violence, like just, and just being thankful that I'm surrounded by family, like waking up and able to kind of work out and, you know, just have that available to me. I know it sounds crazy, but just literally to be able to walk, you know, just to be able to, you know, you know, I like, I've been, uh, I bought a bike this COVID, be able to just to do that, right? Just that actions. Um, and just to kind of have that release, like that's like, it started just for me waking up in the morning and, and just saying, thank you that I woke up. I'm thankful and gratitude. And then in addition to gratitude, I, I would just like also to, I inspire people to to be uh, to show themselves grace as they're going through this. Every day is not going to be perfect. I know it hasn't been for us. It hasn't been for myself. Um, it's not going to be a, a, a upward mo a upward uh, trend of it might be it might go down. It might go up. It might go down, down, down. It might go up, up, up. But it really just you stay in the course and just continue to 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 show yourself grace in your situation and you know and, and literally just. Be, to try to build up that momentum of a pop, positive mindset. Cause you, you just don't wake up one day with one and you could build, it took days or months or years to build one, but it only take one second to, for it to go away. So just to kind of, um, it's okay to start over. It's okay to start from the beginning time again and again and again and again. Um, just to piggyback off of what Mark said and Desiree said, I feel like, us as individuals, we don't give ourselves enough credit. We're so always focused on getting the next, getting the next thing, accomplishing the next thing. We don't realize how far we really have come to get where we at now. And I feel like our listeners just take it day by day and give yourself credit. Like every day is not going to be good. Like Mark said and Desiree said, every day is not going to be good. And but the day, every day, you have to get up and continue to try. Like, it's all about learning and unlearning years of things that you thought was right and us trying to figure out what is best for your individual life. So we just got to keep going. We really just got to keep pushing. It's just all these different instances, but we just got to take, you know, put one foot in front of the other and, and keep going. All we, all we have to do is try. And that's the most important thing that, that people always forget to realize is that as long as you're trying and you, you put in a hundred percent, then you're, you're making a difference. And that is the key. That is the, the, the biggest thing is to can continue to not forget to, to, to push forward and never forget that just because your situation might be, you know, better than someone else. You don't know what the next person is going through. So you always got to be thankful for every moment that you have, thankful for the breaths that you take and be it just for the small things in life. Kind of given that that gratitude is extremely important. And for those who, who don't um, 
might not be facing as a you know extreme situations during everything that's going on then do more to take advantage go out into your community give back some way try to make a difference if there's any way possible any any anything that you can do to truly to to make a, a change and that's what what we're all trying to do here kind of you know having these type of conversations just to to really encourage people to to make a difference in their own communities. So what would the, the first question I have is like, what would y'all say is one thing that you've been able to unlearn to increase your mental health or to create a positive mental health, uh, you know, state? I think for me, the one thing that I've been able to unlearn is um, beating myself up about not doing good enough or not doing enough. Um, I think for me, self-compassion has been key. Like I think we are so hard on ourselves, especially as people of color who kind of have to prove ourselves a little more in society. And so for me, I've had to unlearn that um, idea of what success is in society. Cause I've learned success is completely different than what they personally tell us in my life. And then I ask myself in this moment, in this second, am I doing something that's self-loving? And if it's a yes, pursue that, continue. And each moment, you just keep building on that and building on that. And pretty soon you learn self-love and, and your worth and you don't need society to define that for you. Um, honestly, I have learned just to do shit my way. Um, we taught from our, our parents who also dealt with their own traumas, how to get advice from them and our grandparents. And like, you gotta find your own way. Literally, you can't live your life based off society. You can't live your life based on what your parents want. You can't live your life based on what your grandma's parents want, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You have to do what's best for you because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you have to face yourself and it's always you against you because you have to get up every day and do something. You have to do this. You have to do that. Not anyone else. So I've been learning and unlearning to just do shit how you want to do it because at the end of the day, you have the answer to you. Oh, that's, that's real. That's real. I just want to kind of go a little bit deeper into that because what people think as 100% is what I feel like most often what society seems as like, oh, I'm, I'm doing the best and not necessarily my best. So even if that's like, like I just want to kind of like see which, like how that, how, like how that differentiates like how you differentiate that, that idea of doing the best or 100% or my best and like what percentage that may be actually inter internalizing and being okay with that. Like if you just share your thoughts on that. It's just basically taking, taking your small goals and just taking it, chipping it day by day. So it could be something as small as, you know, I want to work out more. Well, one day you just wake up, do five push-ups. The next day you do ten. It's just the doing that. That is that's putting a hundred percent, allocating a time for you to to do that. And I think that's where it's a little bit more clearer in in terms of putting that hundred percent, um, making sure that your mind is just directly focused on this activity that you're doing, and instead of thinking about all the other things. Like give your undivided attention to listening to to something or or reading something. You know, cut out that thirty minutes of you know, I, I'm not going to scroll on the gram, but I'm a, I'm a read a book for, for 30 minutes and just use that undivided time because your, your, your small goal is, okay, I want to read one book for the summer, you know, and it's just those small things like that. And that's how you make a difference. You know, what are some things that people can do to, um, you know, they can, they can implement one thing in their life to make one form of a difference as far as their mental health. It seems simple, but it's not easy, is to, to listen to yourself, listen to your body wisdom. What are you feeling? Like you could be carrying tension in your shoulders, release that tension. You could be tightening your jaw, release your jaw. So really the best piece of advice I can give is start building a mindfulness practice by just becoming aware of what's going on with your body because it has so much wisdom. It can tell you so much about yourself. Um, so I would say start with that. And, and it's really simple. You could even start with like five senses, something you hear, something you smell, something you can touch, something you can see, and something you can taste. And this is how you start to build 
inner awareness and inner presence and mindfulness within yourself. I totally agree with Desiree. I feel that you just need to just start focusing on things that make you happy and take that one thing at a time. Like Clinton said, you know, instead of stroll on the gram, you know, you want to work out, hit, hit the bike for 30 minutes instead of stroll on the gram. If you want to practice, I don't know, painting, um, buy a paintbrush, start practicing painting. It's all about you taking initiatives to be better for yourself and your only your action is going to determine your outcome of the things that you want out of life so you have to do the work you have to do the work and it's it's so easy for us to check out especially with everything going on to numb out to binge netflix to scroll on social media and this is why i bring up the importance of presence because sometimes people are so on autopilot they don't even realize that they're disconnected or dissociating or whatever it is that's going on and so in order to really uh you know, do this work and heal. First, you have to cultivate a, a, an inner safety within yourself. If you don't even feel safe within yourself, how on earth are you going to feel safe outside in the community with everything going on? So, great point, guys. Great point. Now, that's that, those are some really great points, and uh, you know, I'm even going to take some of those because <laughs> you know, you, you just really never know how you know what you're going through or. What you know, what what's in your mind? That's how it's affecting your body. So, I'm definitely taking that one home for me. With me, well, I am home. So, <laughs> <laughs> we all home. We, we all home. Yeah. But um, just to just to kind of reiterate and just um, just have people thinking. I think all the points that we brought up in today was really key. And I think what we want to leave people with is being able to. To, to challenge all those who are listening or watching this is to take action, to, to get off autopilot. I know this year has been crazy, but everything that's going on, we can no longer be bystanders. We have to take action. We have to, this is our, this is like a wake up call. So we, you know, I'm, I'm really encouraging people to give back to the community any way that they can, you know, look to be mentors or, or sponsors or coaches to, to, to folks that, um, that are in their community or even in their workplace, because that, that makes a huge difference as well. And, and we really want to hold people to hold people accountable for what they're, what they're trying to do, whether it's a, your employer, whether it's a business, a nonprofit, but anything that they're putting out, um, make sure that though their core values are aligned to you because that you, you don't want to be in a place that just doesn't fit you and doesn't respect you as an individual. And, you know, on the topic of, of, of black lives matter and, and just being able to, to support, you know, there's different places where one can donate. Um, so if you're, if you're looking to kind of put funds towards, you know, um, some of the, the historically black colleges, United Negro college fund is a great place to start to, to donate. Um, color of change is, is another place to donate. Um, the breathe act and the bail project. These are all great projects and uh, places where you can donate, um, not only your time, but also money as well to kind of make a change within our communities. And, and, if, and if you ain't got no money to donate, then you better start hitting them streets and protesting, boy. Get out there because we, we, we need more people. We need more people out there. Just because you, um, you feel like protesting, it doesn't make a difference. Well, it truly does. It truly does. Definitely. And I just want to also just emphasize protest to the polls. Protest to the voting poll. It's important that we vote this year, y'all. Don't don't allow this opportunity to pass and not be a part of history and shaping it in the way that you see fit. So please go vote. 